Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's football Friday edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're tuning in live via the live stream that's available to you on ESPNTucson.com, I appreciate you tuning in and uh, checking us out as we are Tucson's only local sports talk show in the mornings here and uh, trying to do the best we can just to keep you entertained, informed, with some compelling information, tell some fun stories, throw out some opinions here and there as I've been known to do from time to time. It's actually kind of my calling card. But, uh, you know, regardless, have a good time. Again, if you want to interact with the show right now, okay, we are just using Twitter as kind of our basis of our base of operations for com- you know for commuting with the show it's you can tweet me at uaz voice at uaz voice because we uh we really don't take calls here uh, th- there are many reasons for it and there may be some way d- some days where i do decide to take some calls if there's just a really big time story comes out like you know, maybe if and when the NCAA or IARP ever decides on Arizona basketball's fate, maybe we'll open up the phones that day, get some live fan reaction and stuff like that. But I don't open up the phones generally too often. We we will have other ways of communicating, whether it be through email, text, or you can always use Twitter again, at UAZ Voice. Let's have some fun here in hour number two. It's a football Friday. As I mentioned, it's kind of like Christmas Eve to me. Christmas Day is the is the first day of college football. I, I'm I'm the biggest college football junkie, maybe on the planet. I wish I could even watch more. I watch as many games as I possibly can. I wish there were ways to watch more games. Uh, unfortunately, or well, I, mean, I shouldn't say unfortunately. For those purposes, unable. I, I, there are several Saturdays where I'm unable to watch a lot of football because I'm traveling to Tucson to announce the game for you fans at Arizona Stadium. And I love that job. And I would love to continue to do that job. And, yes, I do miss some college football, but thankfully I have a DVR that uh, has a zero limit on the cloud, and I can go home and I can watch all day Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and try to catch up as best I can on all the games, especially the Wildcat games. You know, I, I get to watch them live, but I'm so busy during the games that I I rarely get a chance to get a feel for exactly how the game went. So a lot of times I'll go home, depending on how late the game is, I'll go home and watch the game immediately afterwards or watch it the next day. I do the same with same, same thing with basketball. But let's have some fun here in hour number two. Now this is an idea that I had last week, and I shared it with nobody because that's what I do best. See, I had an idea a long time ago. Uh, when I was I was bartending, when I was like 19, 20 years old, I was bartending at a place, and I had this fun idea. I was like, hey, you know, like those, they're like the holes in the men's urinals, right? There's like those, like where the water, you know, everything flushes down in the, in the urinals. Why not try to market and make some money off of those things by putting like point values on them and making it like a carnival game? You ever been to a carnival and they have like the, like the horse races and there's like the eight horses up on the, you know, up on the stage and you have to like shoot a water pistol into different targets to get them to move. I'm like, wow, why don't we do that with, with men's urinals? Like, that'd be a great idea. I can market it. You can drop a quarter in to turn on your urinal essentially for the game. And then, you know, you can wait, you know, 
Guys are just hanging out in there like, hey, you're going to enter the game. you got to get in on this. Drop a quarter in there. Let's go. I, I thought it was a great idea. And then, like, a year later, I saw it in a movie. I went to the movie theater and saw it happening in a movie. I was mortified. I was like, that's my idea. You stole my idea. That's my intellectual property. <laughs> Should have trademarked that. Make some money. So I had an idea last week when all this conversation was coming out about Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC and just how valuable of a commodity they are and they're being asked to join the SEC, not because they're superpowers in football, but because they generate a ton of money. And none, there, was, there was mutual interest, of course, because obviously Texas and Oklahoma were sick and tired of being the breadwinners in a conference of teams that couldn't pull their own weight. And they had to share equally amongst those other eight teams when they felt that they deserved more piece of the pie. And they're right. They do deserve a larger piece of the pie. But you know what? This is amateur athletics, and sharing is caring, and we all have to share equally, and we all have to get along, okay? Well, Oklahoma and Texas says, "Mm, nuts to that, we're going to the SEC. And even though it is equal sharing there, the equal sharing there is going to net us another $45 million a year, and so we're going to go, we're going to take that route. Thank you very much. We're done sharing with Kansas State, Iowa State, Kansas, when they're not pulling their weight. So they left. They're gone. And there's been a lot of discussion, of course, across the country. What's the Big 12 going to do? What's Pac-12 going to do? What about the Big 10? What about the ACC? How are they going to keep up with the SEC? And I thought to myself, what what if, and look, this has been an idea of mine for years. Years. And I just had the, 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 the reimagined idea come up earlier last week. I even texted Justin Spears, and Justin ignored my text. And I'm very upset about that. I feel like Justin kind of ignores my text messages. I even sent him like a birthday message, didn't say thanks or anything. He's born, you know, he's Fourth of July baby. And I, you know, it's, it's a happy birthday, dude. Nothing. That's all right. I'm not hurt by it. Just, you know, acknowledge your boy every once in a while. So, so I text Justin. I'm like, hey, we should we should do this. So, years and years ago. When the you know when the when the pack when the Pac-10 at the time was trying to lure Texas away, Texas and I believe it was Texas A&M, Colorado, and um, and Oklahoma, I believe at the time, to try to make a super conference, it, it kind of fell through, and it got my gears thinking at that time. Like, what if there was no NCAA to to you know to look over the the the, the state of college football, the uh, you know, the whole of college football, and I even mentioned on this show several times and I said what if you know what if you know somebody like uh, some rich billionaire got together with a, a a big time television network and another big uh sponsor you know and was able to come up with their own college football league kind of like a a miniature NFL well if you what if you took all 64 teams from the power 5 conferences in college football and you said, okay, we're going to take these 64 teams because they're already in P5 conferences. They're now going to be under this new Coca-Cola, Fox, you know, league that we've created alongside these billionaires or whomever, you know, whatever, whoever, whatever it was. And we're going to, the, the chairman of these five different divisions or however they did, you know, divided up six or whatever, you want to make it, uh, make it equal or whatever you want to have 60 teams, you want to, you know, 
disallow the nerd schools or some you know to kick Vanderbilt out. That's fine, whatever. And then let them have a draft of the teams that they want to have in their in their conference or their division. Well, the athletic, in all their wisdom, did this yesterday. The all the college football writers, Stuart Mandel, uh, Sam Kahn. Max Olson, uh, Vanini, Andy Staples, who's a, a really well-known one. Um, Nicole Auerbach was on the uh, on the list. Ari Wasserman, who, in my opinion, got the best conference. They did this. Okay, they sat down and they're like, "We're going to have a live draft," but they drafted like every team, like all of them, like all hundred and hundred and thirty teams, and they've made their own like ten or eleven team conferences. It's very impressive, actually. So. They all got together and had had this draft, and it got me thinking: if this were to really happen, which which team, which school would be taken number one overall? Which school is the most valuable in college football? Which which brand, which team is the most valuable? How do you how do you consider value? You know, maybe one commissioner considers. Athletic department revenue alongside enrollment, you know, school enrollment. Um, maybe they take history and heritage into play. Maybe another conference says, we're going to go for the, the team that puts the most players in the NFL, okay, and, and, and determines value that way. Well, in this particular case, and, and I got to admit, as much as, I, much as I hate to admit it, I agree. Stuart Mandel got the number one overall pick in their draft, and he chose Ohio State. And I agree. I believe that Ohio State is the most valuable, most valuable commodity in all of college football. Granted, they are not hoisting national championship trophies the way that Alabama is. They are not playing in as many championship games as Alabama. They have certainly had some problems over the years, but it is like the one team that has endured, like the one program that has endured all. And for decades, they've done this. Not only do they have that, they have a huge stadium that sells out every single game. They have 70,000 plus, I believe it's the largest enrollment. It's always a contest between them and that school from Tempe uh, on who has the largest enrollment in in all uh, all of college. So they have this huge student enrollment. You know, obviously they've got a lot of things going for them. And that that athletic department just absolutely prints money. It's it's a it's a money factory, and even though for years and for a long long time Texas was the athletic department that was printing more money than Ohio State, if we're just strictly talking football, Ohio State is the absolute bell cow. They are they are number one, in my opinion, without question. That is the most valuable commodity to have in all of college football. Now some people think it would be Alabama. And yes, Alabama's a wonderful choice. Nick Saban has built an absolute indomitable empire there. They play for national championships every year. At Alabama, you expect to win a national championship every single year. They're the kings of the SEC, which is the the ultimate power in college football. And yes, they have one of the more recognizable brands in college football. But you're stuck in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. That's that's part of the problem. Another problem is is that school has been hit with 
probations and allegations many, many times. And, you know, it's funny because I, I, I run an entertainment business up in Phoenix, and we do live trivia game shows, essentially, okay? And I write all of the trivia. I write it all. Now, we focus a lot on sports. Sports is like one of our calling cards. We, we pride ourselves in having the best sports content in all of live trivia in America. And whenever I do a which college football team has the best winning percentage, la, 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 la. Which college football team has the most wins over blah, 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 blah. Which college football team has sent the most players to the NFL draft via the first three rounds, blah, 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 blah. Do you know what I find to be the correct answer almost 90% of the time to those questions? It's Ohio State. It's not Alabama. It's Ohio State. Now, recently, sure, Alabama has been the most dominant force in college football. But as everything goes in college football, there are ebbs and flows. Teams rise and fall. Let's not forget that Terry Bradshaw was shunned by Tulane University and had to settle at Louisiana State. Had to settle to play football there because Tulane was the power in the, in the Delta Conference, in the, in the, in the Delta uh, part of the United States. They were the, the, one of the powers of the SEC when he was looking for a place to go play football at. Tulane, the same Tulane University, who had, did not have enough money to clear the water off of their field and had to go play somewhere else when too much rain occurred in New Orleans. The same Tulane University, just 50 years later. Things rise and fall in college football. There have been great teams and great empires risen, and Alabama was there once before, of course, with the great Bear Bryant. They've been there, and then they've also had some other uh, real problems, i.e. Mike Price. Okay, It's rolling, baby! Oh, Mike Price. Never gets old. I love that story. They've had some, some real problems over the years. Places, times where... Alabama football just flat out didn't matter. I challenge you to find a time when Ohio State football did not matter in the, in the United States of America. Now, granted, you can go back to 1910 or whatever, sure. Rutgers football and Princeton and Yale were the only, only football powers that mattered back then. Maybe Michigan, Notre Dame, sure. But in the post-World War II era of college football, I don't think there's been a decade where Ohio State didn't matter. It's the, most, it's the most valuable commodity in college football, and it should be the number one overall pick. Interestingly enough, the third pick in their draft was Georgia, followed by Oklahoma, then Clemson, followed by Notre Dame. It took all the way to the sixth pick to get Notre Dame off the board. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Now Notre Dame has decided to broadcast their opening game of the season versus Toledo on the Peacock Network in a move that is trying to test market viability for the, for the, the, the paid streaming services and watching football. Will Notre Dame fans pay to watch football on a network when they can get all the other 11 games for free on NBC? My answer to that is yes, absolutely especially in a season where Notre Dame is considered to be one of the best 10 teams in the country. Sure, absolutely crazed fighting Irish fans. 
will clamor and run to the Peacock Network to get that game on TV so they can watch their team play. The rest of the first round uh, rounded out with Texas, followed by Michigan, and I believe Michigan was the final. Yeah, they were the final pick. And then that person turned around and picked USC with the first pick in the second draft, the second round. You want to know where Arizona went? I love Ari Wasserman is a uh, a great college football writer. I love reading his stuff. In my opinion, he's at the best conference. Like, if you're talking just, just straight football, just straight football, and you look at some of the some of the teams that were drafted last in some of these rounds, like Coastal Carolina, um, Perdont was drafted, UAB, Alabama-Birmingham was drafted in it. They were dra- some poor sap. Who was it? That was Vanini. Chris Vanini, who got Oklahoma in the first round and picked up Florida State and then Miami later rounds, also had to take Kansas and UAB in this draft. That's not good. It's not a good sign. Not a good look for Vanini. But Ari Wasserman, here's the schools that he ended up with. He got Texas, then he got LSU, North Carolina, Washington in the fourth round. He got Cincinnati, got the Bearcats in fifth. Boise State in the sixth round. Now, again, not going to produce you a ton of money, but regionally, they are the kings of that area of the United States. People love Boise State football. They hear it all the damn time. In the seventh round, he selected your Arizona Wildcats. In the eighth round, he took Baylor. The ninth round, he took Maryland. And he ended up with a pretty stunning 10th round pick in Nevada. A, traditionally, a pretty good pretty good football program. Has produced some NFL talent. Has had some really good coaches there. Always competitive. I think he ended up at the best conference, my, my opinion. Could be biased because Arizona's in there. But uh, I think that's a pretty good conference. Just saying. Who would your number one be? You can uh, at me, at UAZ Voice, at UAZ Voice. If you were drafting conferences, drafting, drafting new teams for the, the new mega league in college football, and you were gifted, you, you, you won the lottery, you were able to pick number one overall, and whatever school you pick is going to be the shining beacon, the, the, the diamond of your conference. Who would you pick? You can tweet me at UAZ Voice. In this particular poll on The Athletic, Stuart Mandel got the number one pick. He took Ohio State. If I had the number one pick, I would also take Ohio State. Just that simple. I think it's, I think it's a no-brainer. But that's one of the great things about sports. We all have differing opinions, right? Would love to hear yours. At UAZ Voice, hit me up there. We can talk about it. With school just around the corner, we want to help you and the student in your life get the supplies that they need to succeed. ESPN Tucson is giving you that chance, and they're going to give you a chance to win a $1,500 back-to-school shopping spree. You can register once per day for the next few days through August 9th. Just go to ESPNTucson.com. Follow all the links there and have your chance to register. More after this on a Football Friday. It's the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Our boy Andre Iguodala, who I had hoped would sign with the Phoenix Suns, I guess had loftier goals for himself this offseason, and rightfully so. He's a champion, and uh, he deserves to be a champion one more time as he's 
going to be entering his 18th season in the NBA. God, it's hard to believe he's 17 years in the NBA already. That's tough to believe. Seems like he was just here. <laughs> anyway, um, he he narrowed his search down, his his teams down to essentially the Nets, the Lakers, and returning to the Warriors. And he will be making his return to the Golden State Warriors. He signed a one-year deal, um, and he's going to, to finish out his career, according to uh, Jonathan Abrams of the New York Times. He reportedly turned down deals from the Nets and the Lakers, opting to return to Golden State to play likely and, and I'm just I'm just shooting from the hip here. I'm guessing it's because he wanted to play one more time for Steve Kerr and play with Steph. Uh you know, Steve Kerr has given him Andre Godal the, the opportunities that that he has been asking for for once he's done playing basketball. I do believe that Andre Iguodala will be a coach in this league. Uh, he started that process years ago with Steve Kerr as uh, Steve was allowing him to run huddles late in games, much to the chagrin of some other coaches. Uh, but, yeah, so Andre is going to be returning to the Warriors, and the Dubs get themselves, you know, a, f- a familiar and friendly face there in Andre Iguodala. Uh, he told Abrams, quote, who would have thought I'd have the opportunity to go back to the place where I was able to have whatever you want to call it, legacy years in terms of accomplishments, winning multiple championships, and the relationships that I was able to build with some of my closest friends and teammates. The relationship with the fans, the relationship with the Bay, the opportunity to end it here was just something special. So sounds very Andre Iguodala-ish. And uh, glad to see him back in a Dubs uniform, and we'll be watching in his swan song tour of the NBA as he gets ready to uh, to ride off into the sunset. It won't be forever. He'll be back on an NBA sideline. He'll just be wearing a suit next time we see him, most likely. So Andre going to be returning to the Dubs for one more year, his 18th year in the NBA. So glad to see it. We were talking, Mary and I were talking during the break about streaming services because I had mentioned that Notre Dame was going to be putting their first uh, non-conference game of the season, the, the game against Toledo, they're putting it on the Peacock Network to see what kind of interest they can grab from the fans to see if streaming services, you know, are, are a viable option for uh, for for live sports. And I th- I think small sample, even though they're playing a team like uh, like Toledo, it's not a not a huge needle moving type of matchup uh, for the for the Irish but nonetheless Irish fans are going to want to see their team first game of the season and they're going to buy the Peacock Network they're going to do the two-week free trial or whatever the hell it is and everybody's going to forget or half of them are going to forget they have the stupid tree free trial for two weeks they're going to pay in for a month and NBC is going to laugh <laughs> there's your $13 we'll take that thank you very much and so Mary and I were talking about how many streaming services we currently have and the, like I, she she goes, she asked me. She goes, which ones do you have? And I go, I have too many. Is what I have. Because I I I kind of have to, right? Like, I have Netflix because you got to have Netflix. You just if you don't have Netflix, it's like you know, I don't know, it's having a, a collection of something without having like the original of that collection. I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Like you got to have Netflix. I also have Amazon Prime Video because it's part of my 
Amazon Prime subscription that I pay every year so I can have my soap delivered earlier than if I'd gone out to go to the store to buy it myself. I also have like HBO Max. I have Paramount Plus. I have, uh, I used to have Hulu, don't have it anymore, but I have Disney Plus. I have ESPN Plus. I have YouTube TV, which I pay for because I've unplugged. Uh, I'm one of the unpluggers that now pays $145 a month to watch TV as if I were still plugged in. <laughs> and without, without all of the options that I would have if I were plugged in, I don't know if this is working out for me or not. I have YouTube TV so that I can watch all the live sports, except for the Pac-12 Network. And I've tried the streaming services that have the Pac-12 Network, and of course, they're of the worst as far as those streaming type of networks go. And you can't watch anything in HD because it's constantly buffering and it's a, it's a giant pain, so you got to figure out somewhere else to go watch Pac-12 Network. It's a giant pain. Or you just buy it seasonally when you know that basketball season is going to be on, and that's what I've been doing over the last few years is just getting one of those streaming services seasonally so that I can record all the basketball games and watch all the games uh, from home there, watch them on, on the record. So, yeah, it's, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. And, you know, we've talked about it here because of the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. They're going to be live-streamed on the Barstool Sports website as far as their socials, and eventually that could be you know, could turn into some type of a of a of a exclusive on a streaming service, and bowls may end up moving to streaming services, so that we can watch them more easily on our phones and whatnot. Because people are unplugging from Directv and their local cable companies and the like. It's just it's becoming people want the the variety. I get it. Okay, I'm I'm a look I'm I'm a variety as a spice of life kind of person myself. I go to a restaurant. Nobody spends any more at a restaurant than I do. And it's not because I'm, I'm a huge, big, fat guy and likes to eat a lot of food, which I also do. But I also like to try everything on the menu. Like, like I'm like, okay, can you bring me one of these? And then can we get an order of this? And I want these. And is it possible to do like a half order of these? Because I'd really like to try them, but I don't want a full order. And the waitress is just like, uh, is this just for you? Or like, is this? Because I like to try everything. Try it all. You only live once. Try it all. So I think people are interested in having all of those options, which is why people are having like six, seven, eight, nine different streaming services at home, and it's costing $165 a month to keep all those streaming services going. When you could just pretty much have all that access if you just paid the mega direct TV deal for all of the access to all the channels anyways. <laughs> so kind of backfiring in our faces right now. These things used to be cheap. Now they're expensive. I couldn't believe how much it was for YouTube TV. It's worth it. It's great. Don't get me wrong. But uh, and you got to have it in my line of business. You got to have it. So be interesting to see. We haven't uh, uh, we haven't even talked about what may be happening with the NFL and streaming services. As it's been rumored that the NFL was going to get their own streaming service, which may still happen. It's very possible uh, that the NFL, you could buy the NFL Plus, and it would be forty nine ninety nine a month, and you'd have all this access and stuff, <clears throat> and you could. It's very possible. Be sure to join NFL Cover 2 each weekday here on ESPN Tucson, which is brought to you by Barrio Brewing Company. Barrio Brewing Company, Arizona's oldest brewery, celebrating 30 years of brewing here for the state of Arizona. 
Join the NFL Cover 2 each weekday right here on ESPN Tucson. More after this, you're listening to The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. Back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back on a football Friday to the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. As the Ravens prepare for their uh, preseason as well as their regular season, franchise quarterback Lamar Jackson continues to be absent, says Pro Football Talk. Jackson, who is non-vaccinated, tested positive for COVID-19 in late July. And per the league's protocols, he must be absent for at least 10 days. So today uh, marks his eighth day of, of absence from the Ravens facilities as they get ready to uh, to start the preseason, which starts preseason week. Week one is next week. Uh, games start on Thursday. Washington at New England, by the way. Pittsburgh at Philadelphia. Those are the two games to start uh, preseason week number one next Thursday night. We'll keep you abreast of uh, of any news that's going on with those particular games of course we'll we'll talk about all the teams leading up until the NFL season but i want to talk about this and this is i wanted to talk about this yesterday actually and we just didn't have time and it's a thought that's been kind of rattling around in my head are lamar jackson's best nfl days ahead of him or behind him i mean obviously he's won a league mvp award He's won playoff games. He's been very successful in this league. And his coach, John Harbaugh, who is a a mastermind at keeping a cohesive unit of 53 players and administrators and coaches together and on the same page and tugging the rope in the same direction, as they like to say. He's just, he's, he's the best in the business at it. He really is. Runs a great program. But are Lamar Jackson's best days behind him? And I have to ask this because... He's he's smallish in stature, and the type of player, the type of quarterback that he is, has traditionally not done well in the NFL. And we, we keep thinking that some quarterback's going to come in and break the mold. At first, we thought it was going to be Michael Vick, right? And it, we, we could go back even further than that with Randall Cunningham or even Steve Young, both of whom turned out to be pretty good pocket passers in their careers. But let's just take it back as far as Michael Vick, because I think he's the new iteration of of that college carry the ball first, throw the ball second quarterback. Michael Vick experiment was exciting. He was one of the greatest athletes in the NFL at that time. The highlight reels were fun. They were fewer and far between following his second season in the league when things started to break down because Michael Vick, he's, he's, he's not a big guy either. You know, he's, a, he's a smallish guy as well. Then we get to Cam Newton, who was this linebacker-sized uh, quarterback that could run a four, you know, four, four, five, four, five, forty. And you think to yourself, "My God, this is this is now it. This is going to be the one." And in 2015, was it? He won the league MVP award. But even Cam Newton, with his size and his strength, and look, I know that he's gone on record with the media and with the NFL saying that the rules for him have been different when it, when uh, you know officials are, are throwing flags out there for illegal hits on quarterbacks 
And I watch the games and his time at Carolina, and you watch him play, and you watch the things that happen on the field to him, and I believe that he was treated differently as well because of the fact that he was bigger than a lot of the guys who were tackling him, which is amazing to think about, but yeah. And I do believe that he was treated differently than other quarterbacks in the league at the time. But like many of these other quarterbacks who have relied on their legs more than their arm, they've had one breakout season, essentially, one one big moment in the NFL where everything clicked perfectly and the defensive coordinators they played against that season couldn't quite figure things out or a new offense coordinator threw in some wrinkles, whatever have you. The magic happened and greatness occurred. But then they settle back down to mediocrity. I believe the same thing is about to happen to Lamar Jackson. I'm not trying to take anything away from him as an athlete, and I'm certainly not trying to take anything away from the professionalism of his coaching staff and their ability to find new ways to get him into the offense. I'm strictly going off of the history of the NFL, which has eaten quarterbacks like him alive. The NFL is a pocket-passing game. It always has been, and as much as we want to fight it, as much as young fans want to fight it, as much as offensive innovators want to fight that notion, it will continue to be that way for a long, long time. The most successful quarterbacks in the history of this league, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, I mean, we don't even have to list them all. Okay, Elway, Marino, Manning, you can, you can just keep going on and on and on and on. Even Aaron Rodgers, great pocket passer who just happens to have enough athleticism to elude tacklers in the backfield, okay? And he's got enough speed to get out there and run. Russell Wilson, same same kind of way. What's great about Russell Wilson's game? It's not his escapability, and even though defensive coordinators talk about that and they say, oh, my God, we have to keep him in the pocket. We have to keep him from escaping the pocket. Yes, that's true. Do you know what's going to kill you in the end? That 60-yard bomb that he drops on a dime into the breadbasket of D.K. Metcalf, who has just outrun your corner and split your safeties. That's what's going to kill you in the NFL because Russell Wilson is one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. Maybe the best deep ball thrower in the NFL as far as accuracy, timing, distance. He's got it all. I watched him in college. I'm like, gee, this guy, this guy throws the best deep ball in the country. And that was his sophomore season at NC State. It's a pocket passers league. This is not a league for quarterbacks who get out there and run around and have a great escapability. This is a pocket passers league. Baker Mayfield, smallish quarterback, right? But is a quarterback who operates from the pocket. Now, granted, Cleveland's roster this year is outrageous, and they're going to be very good. They're talented at every single position, maybe the most talented team in the league. And there are some people that believe that Baker Mayfield is going to hold them back. But because he's a pocket passer, they're going to have the opportunities to compete at that level with the other great teams in the league. Whereas Lamar Jackson gets into the league, he gets into the playoffs, all of a sudden defensive coordinators have time to figure things out because there are fewer dimensions to the quarterback running game than a quarterback passing game and therefore makes things easier on the defense and more difficult on the players like Lamar Jackson. Now, we also have to factor in the fact that he is slight. He is small. He is not a big guy. He is not built to take 
punishment in the NFL. We saw, unfortunately, with RG3 when he came into the league, first couple of hits he took knocked him out and, you know, and shortened his career. And he was brilliant. He was NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year his rookie season. Then what happened after that? He got hurt. He's a world-class athlete. He's a, a hurdler and a sprinter. Put up great numbers in college, of course. Baylor's you know, system kept him clean in the pocket and such and allowed him to make throws, easy throws in that uh, passing game. Lamar Jackson's a remarkable athlete. And it, it, it doesn't take away from that, that, from that fact. The problem is the NFL eats people like that for breakfast. The ones that have sustained successful careers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, John Elway, Aaron Rodgers, okay, all the big names, all the guys who have won championships are going to the Hall of Fame. Those are all the guys that, that stay in the pocket, that stay clean deliver the football in an NFL passing type of game, a pro passing league. College football is exciting, and these players coming to the league is really exciting. And no one is going to take Lamar Jackson and his abilities as a quarterback with the football in his hands and make him a wide receiver. It's just not going to happen. As ridiculous as, as some may think that is, that is some of the thoughts that are given by general managers and coaches in the league when they're trying to assess quarterbacks like a Lamar Jackson, like a Michael Vick. Cam Newton was different. 6'5", big arm, shown that he could throw the ball from the pocket. Okay, What turned out to be one of the most inaccurate throwers in NFL history, though, is Cam Newton. And the Patriots are going to ride him this year, and they're going to probably destroy the end of his career. They don't care. They got a great offensive line. They're just going to run Cam Newton up the middle until the wheels fall off. And Cam Newton's going to allow it to happen because he's just a competitor. He's a hard-nosed guy. You got to give him credit for that. But in my opinion, Lamar Jackson's best days are behind him. He may have flashes of brilliance, and I do believe the Baltimore Ravens are going to make playoffs with him as quarterback. I don't believe the Baltimore Ravens are a Super Bowl threat, however – with Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. And if you want to be a legitimate Super Bowl threat, you have to have someone who can deliver the ball from the pocket. Patrick Mahomes, as great as he is an athlete, as elusive as he may be and and on the run and on his feet, using his legs to, to get himself out of trouble, the biggest threat to any team when they play Kansas City is Patrick Mahomes' arm. Nobody's worried about Lamar Jackson's arm They have some great receivers in Baltimore. He'll never reach them 45 yards down the field. It'll never happen. Much like Michael Vick. Even if the receivers were open, he was unable to deliver a catchable ball in that scenario, at least with any type of consistency, which is what makes guys like Russell Wilson so dangerous. Because not only does he have the elusiveness, he's a great pocket passer until Lamar Jackson is able to embrace that. And I don't know if he's capable of doing it at this stage in his career or if he's even built to do it that way. Until he is able to be a consistently great pocket passer, Baltimore is going to be looking at AFC championship after AFC championship go to somebody else. You simply 
cannot win championships with the way the NFL is currently constructed with players at quarterback like Lamar Jackson. It's not going to happen. He'll have some great games. He'll have some interesting seasons. He'll put up some, some amazing plays on SportsCenter. But what it really matters is winning championships. And meanwhile, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and the like of those types of players are going to continue. Patrick Mahomes, guys who deliver from the pocket, are going to continue to win championships. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here to 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Look, I'm not trying to, like, upset anybody here by saying Lamar Jackson isn't cut out to win championships in the NFL. Just being honest. I mean, look at look at the track record of people who have won in this league, quarterbacks who have won in this league. Trent Dilfer is a Super Bowl championship quarterback. <laughs> Probably couldn't get out of the way of a speeding garbage truck if, he, if, if his life depended on it. But he won a championship. Granted, no one was going to score points on that Ravens defense, but you still have to be good enough not to give the game away. You still have to have a good enough offense to move the ball and keep your defense off the field for 45 minutes a night. He was able to do that. Won a championship because of it. Baltimore Ravens are a brilliant young team. They've got some excellent young players in that team. One of the, they're one of the best young teams in the league. Marquise Brown. Uh, uh, Marlon Humphreys, a great player. Mark Andrews, Patrick Queen, the linebacker, fantastic player. And you throw Lamar Jackson in the mix as well. I'm not saying he's not a good player. He's a spectacular player. He makes all kinds of spectacular moves and, and highlight real plays on the field. But none of that is going to equate to a, an NFL championship until he develops into a better pocket passer. And I don't believe that he's going to just the nature of the beast. The Baltimore Ravens went for a great athlete at quarterback to see if they could make it work. And look, as as great as that organization is and as innovative as John Harbaugh has been in his career in making things happen, won a Super Bowl championship with Joe Flacco, for God's sakes, over a mobile quarterback in Colin Kaepernick, I might add, who couldn't make a seven-yard pass from three shots at the end zone in that game to beat the, the Ravens, as a member of the 49ers, of course. We all remember that. I certainly remembered it. So, again, he, I applaud John Harbaugh and his staff for what they've done, and they've been very successful with Lamar Jackson. The Atlanta Falcons were successful with Michael Vick as, as their, their quarterback. The Washington Redskins, at the time, when, when RG3 was their quarterback, they were successful. None of them ever developed into great pocket passers. The 49ers were extremely successful with Colin Kaepernick. The most dangerous thing with Colin Kaepernick, yes, he had an amazing fastball, okay? And he could deliver that thing in a moment's notice. But the inaccuracy, the inability to operate from the pocket is what ultimately doomed his career. And don't try to get at me with the socks or anything like that. It wasn't his protest. Those were things that, those were nails in the coffin of an already dead career. There were NFL GMs, trust me. I speak with them, one in particular, a lot. Okay? <laughs> it's, his career was over long before his protest. 
So don't at me for that. These players like Lamar Jackson, like Cam Newton, are going to have great seasons in the NFL and are never going to win a championship. You have to commit to pocket passing. That is NFL passing. Like it or not, folks, yes, I know, I'm a get-off-my-lawn old man as it pertains to, oh, the NFL is a passing man's game and you got to stand in the pocket. It's the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts a little bit to admit. And those out there who like the exciting plays of young quarterbacks running around, enjoy college football. Embrace college football because that's where players like Lamar Jackson and Khalil Tate are going to flourish. They're going to have amazing moments and raise their teams to greatness. Take them to to bowl games and other heights and, and be on highlight reels and break all kinds of records that are never going to equate to championships in the NFL. You have to be a pocket passer. Well, that's going to wrap things up for this day's edition, a Football Friday edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to uh, all of our listeners out there. Thank you guys for tuning in. Look forward to seeing some of you at practice today and or tomorrow for uh, U of A football camp as it opens. It opened uh, 20, well, 30 minutes ago now. Hope to see you guys out there today. I'm heading over there immediately following the show. Thanks to Mary for all her hard work here, pushing all the right buttons and keeping us on the air. Stay tuned this afternoon from 3 to 6 for Spears and Ali right here. And I'll see you guys on Monday morning at 7 a.m. on the Jeff Dean Show at 1490 a.m., 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show.